I'm David S. Dawson from the Intellectual Podcast, a show that spotlights creatives from all walks of life, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other incredibly geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Welcome to an all-new episode of the OfficialGunnaGeek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and with me, of course, is Chris Farrell. Howdy. And also is Stargate Pioneer. I'm a three-beller ringer. You're a three-beller ringer. That doesn't make yeah, any yeah, sense I'm... to the postage show viewer because that comes out in the post. Oh, man. So if you're listening to this after the fact and you're missing Steven's little bell rings as he introduced each of us, Ding. why don't you let him know and he'll put it in in the finished product. If you uh, are listening to this in the posted version, then the finished product's already out. Bad, and you'll need to do time travel to fix that. Now, for the next week. Oh, fair enough. If you didn't know this, uh, we do here talk geeky things and geeky news, and we stream live on Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern Time at geeks.live if you want to check us out when we do stream live. Now, with that said, in December, we're going to take a couple of weeks off because, let's be honest, the contract dictates that they get their break from me. We need our Stephen break. I mean, if we don't get our Stephen break, then we can't go into the new year. We absolutely need a Stephen break. So does our audience, too, by the way. That's true. So we got a few more weeks until we go on uh, a little break there. So it could come by 7th and the 14th of December and then the 21st and the 28th. We'll likely be taking a break. We'll, we'll see how it is. It's a weird year. It's a 2020 year. We usually have that all planned out by now. But we live on the edge of our seat in 2020, especially because Chris Farrell half the time tells me, he calls me up and he's sobbing and he goes, hey, I really need to see SP. And so we just do the show. Why would I call you? That cost me extra to call International. <laughs> I, live on call SP. I live on the edge of my seat because I broke my tailbone in January. So, That's you know, true. sitting at all is problematic. And the reason you call me is because SP screens your calls. Well, I have a Google call screener, too. That's why your calls never ring through. We all <laughs> we all were screening our calls in 2020. You know why? Because the election. That's why. Not here. We don't get robocalls here. So, they, well, we get robocalls, but not election robocalls. I didn't get robocalls, but I got robotexts like every day. And I'd be like, I already voted. Take me off your list. And they still wouldn't do it. Did you text stop? Yes, multiple <laughs> times. And then it became stop with profanity. <laughs> which probably didn't help my case. You know what you should you should do in the next time that happens is you should start citing all a bunch of Canadian politician names on who you voted for. Now I'm going to send him a dick pic. Richard Nixon. Good old tricky dick. Fair enough. Well, I guess that's how we lead into the news. Maybe. <laughs> Oh, 
By the way, if you're not joining us live, you missed Suncast in our chat. He's pitched the idea that on the weeks we're away, that somebody else should do this show. I think that's his way of telling us that we are the worst hosts for this show. So I guess the question is, who would be the Elseworld hosts for the GunnaGeek.com show? Who would play the role of Steven, Chris, and SP? So what Earth are we on, first of all? We're Earth One, of course. We're the best. Okay, we're on Earth One. And then which Earth would this alternate show be on? Any of them. That's the problem. Okay. Uh, let's see. Who? Okay, Prosser. That'd be a good one, right? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hold on. Be hold on. I want accurate information. Let's let's not have John Prosser on here. Well, I would like to see John Prosser go head to head with Neil deGrasse Tyson. That would be fun. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's think about this. Let's mull this over. Uh, we'll we'll form our thoughts and maybe not make any of it happen. But let's get to the news here and start off with the SN8 because here the SN8 is set for another test and maybe Honest Elon was going on about possible other (laughs) other things. Is that what we're calling him now as Honest Elon? Honest Elon. (laughs) Go ahead. Hashtag on Twitter, Honest Elon. Okay, here we go. There's your show name. What we're talking about here is SpaceX's SN8 Starship Developmental Test Vehicle is set for a major test flight later on this week. This is sourced from Twitter and from an article on Space.com by Mike Wall on the 24th of November. So after completing its fourth rocket test engine static fire test on Tuesday, November 24th, 2020, Elon Musk, or dare I say, Honest Elon's SpaceX is eyeing an atmospheric test flight this week with its Starship SN8 developmental test vehicle. The upcoming test will fire three, not one, not two, but three Raptor rocket engines of the total design six aboard Starship. Now, Starship's booster rocket, which is named Super Heavy, is designed to have 30 Raptor engines. Both Starship and Super Heavy are designed to be completely reusable. SN8's test flight next week or this week will target an altitude of nine miles or 15 kilometers before returning to SpaceX's test facility in Boca Chica, Texas. Say it with me, guys. Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica, Boca Chica. And this is via a tweet by Elon Musk. He said, good Starship SN8 static fire aiming for first 15 kilometer or about 5,000 feet altitude flight next week. Goals are to test three engine ascent, body flap, transition from main to header tanks and landing flip. So it's going to do a flip. So he's really missing the Olympics. You know, we were supposed to have the Summer Olympics and, you know, wanted to see that flip. All right. The test will be the first multi-rocket engine powered flight as previous SpaceX Starship test vehicles, Starhopper, SN5 and SN6 were all single engine test vehicles. Starhopper flew in the summer of 2019 while SN5 flew in August 2020 and SN6 flew in September of 2020. I have a question for you, by the way. Quest, quest. How are you feeling about Starship's chances of landing in one piece? Oh, I'm glad you asked that, because if the test flights results in a mishap with the launch of vehicle, SpaceX already has SN9 and SN10 in the process of assembly. There was a question on Twitter by Michael Sheets saying to Elon Musk, how are you feeling about Starship's chances of landing in one piece? What a great question. Go figure. I'm glad Honest Elon's answering this. Yeah, Honest Elon replied, 
Lots of things to go right, so maybe a third chance, but that's why we have SN9 and SN10. By the way, he has subsequently posted that the test wouldn't take place until at least Wednesday this week, so two days after we are recording this. All right, so number one, did we know that SN9 and SN10 were in existence? Oh, yeah. This is okay, being the that. Boca Chica test facility and the uh, assembly building has been covered substantially. I mean, there are people watching that place like a hawk with drones, with uh, telephoto lenses. There's a lot that's known about the Boca Chica test facility and what's going on inside. And for his part, Elon hasn't made anything a secret. He's just not telling anybody. Okay. And second, did they choose Boca Chica just so that you could have fun every time you said it? I think so, because as you guys might know, they have actually moved operations from California to two locations, one in Florida and one in Texas. They seem to be focused in on the Texas facility right now for all their test flights. That could be because this is where the successful design has been coming from, or it could be because it's just easier to test there with, you know, notice to airmen and getting the test flight time because you have to clear airspace around it. You, you have to do that in advance and the FAA has to approve it. So it might be easier in Texas than it is in Florida. And one last thing. I know that we've talked a lot about SN8 and this might be a little bit of repeat for some people who have listened for a long time, but sometimes we do get new listeners to the show and I'd like to just toss it over to you, SP. Tell us a little bit about why are we following SN8 and what is like the possibilities coming from the SN8, the SN program being a success? So the SN test vehicles are all developmental steps, they're all prototypes leading up to the actual Starship, which is going to be launched like mid 2020s. I think they were eyeing 2024 to try to get to the moon before Artemis, but I think they backed off on that a little bit. And I don't think Artemis is going to make it there in 2024 after the administration change. I don't know. We'll see once the new Biden administration actually comes forth with space policy because they don't have one quite yet. But we're looking at a mid 2020s for a test flight. And then ultimately, Elon has said publicly that he doesn't really want to go to the moon. He wants to go straight VFR direct to Mars. So that's where he's heading with this. I don't think he's going to make a staged landing on the moon. Although he did say that for the first test flight that they were going to take a cruise around the moon, kind of like Apollo 8 did, where they just circled the moon. But I don't think he's planning on landing on the moon. Make a quick pit stop. That's all. I mean, he might just to test out the landing system, but you're still three days away from Earth then. So there's nothing we can do to to help them Fair if enough. anything goes wrong. So does that mean Suncast is going to be redirected to the moon temporarily so that nobody lands on his uh, NASA installation? He might already be there. I don't know. You'd have to ask mm -hmm. him. I mean, I'm sure the internet's better on the moon than it is on Mars. <laughs> I heard that he was going to go further out, and he, you know, because he didn't want to get seen the next move. He was going to go to something that's just a myth. Uh, I think the name is Pluto. Pluto is not a myth. It's yeah. just... It's just it's not just, necessarily a planet, depending on who you ask. We've actually been to Pluto. New Horizons went to Pluto. It is not a myth. We've been there. It is just a question of whether you call it a planet, a dwarf planet, a proto-planet, whatever. I call it a planet because... Suncast vacation there last summer. 
it would be really cold. He likes to ski. I will not take your word for it, because as we all know, they say the world is round. Well, I will quote Neil deGrasse Tyson here, and I will say, question everything, even me. All right. I'm just glad there's flat earthers all around the world. (laughs) All all around the globe. All right, (laughs) let's go ahead and move on to the next news point here, which is all about Microsoft Teams and some things that are coming related to this. Microsoft Teams will no longer today work on Internet Explorer 11 as of today, November 30th. Earlier this year, Microsoft announced that the Microsoft 365 apps and services will no longer support Internet Explorer 11. This was announced back in August. And Microsoft Teams is the first web app that is killing functionality with Microsoft 11. Of course, they are pushing users towards Microsoft Edge for good reason. Internet Explorer 11 has long been dead. Now, a reason I wanted to bring this up was because this is the first movement here of Microsoft killing the web support on one of their services for Internet Explorer 11. And you might be saying to yourself, okay, Stephen, Internet Explorer 11 is really old. Why would anybody be using that? To which I would respond, you've never worked in a corporate environment. And this is why I wanted to bring it up, because there has been so many articles by different Microsoft security representatives being like, companies, get yourself off of micro or off of Internet Explorer. It's old. It's no longer supported. Things are broken with it in the future, and it's unsafe. And yet companies continue to require it and continue to build platforms that require Internet Explorer. Microsoft Edge, the not the current version, the previous version, did some of those things, but now Edge being Chromium, You can read the writing on the wall. And if you're building things to support version one of Edge, because it kind of did the Internet Explorer things, you probably are making a mistake because the writing should be on the wall that Edge's future is on the Chromium basis. So I wanted to bring this up because Microsoft Teams specifically, I know this, that some there's a lot of companies that do encourage people to use the web version of this, even if they have it installed. For some of those companies, the web version is more reliable. So a lot of people use this. And so I am really excited to see Microsoft finally killing their product support with with Internet Explorer 11. This is like, you should put your money where your mouth is. And if you've been saying for a long time, get off of Internet Explorer, your products should no longer support Internet Explorer. So I wanted to bring this up. I want to take lots of shots against lots of different corporations, which are still using Internet Explorer 11, want to go in, applaud Microsoft, and also take a little shot at them for not doing this sooner as well. So what do you think of this, Chris Farrell? Uh, It should have been done ages ago. Internet Explorer in any variant is garbage. And the fact that they finally pulled the trigger and said, yeah, you can't use Internet Explorer to access our web app, where you've got a lot of people that are teleworking and starting to pivot and using Microsoft Teams as a Skype replacement or a Slack replacement. It's a good move. And yeah, I'm glad they did it. Where I work right now, we still have Internet Explorer on our computers, I think. And it occasionally automatically launches for certain links. I don't understand why. But for the most part, everything is defaulted to the new Edge or to the new Chrome. So yeah, get rid of it. I'm good with it. There's no one should be running Internet Explorer in today's world. Even if you have a computer that would still run it, run one of the other browsers. They'll all run on there still. 
You know, you bring up a good point. And as someone who has a website that has people coming to it, I should throw code in there that if it detects Internet Explorer, it says, get off my website. That's what I should do. No, no joke. That's how you make some people panic that run certain websites. Because, you know, they look at those breakdowns to see what the different browser types are and stuff like that so that they can make sure they're developing towards the compatible browsers everyone's using. And if you really want to screw with someone, just spin up a bunch of instances of Internet Explorer 10 or 11 and open up a website. And they're going to they're going to poo themselves when they see that and be like, what the hell is going on? Why would you do this? I remember then they have to support it. I'm like, I'm so glad that they went to Chromium as as um, the edge basis, because there were still people who were like, well, you know, it just evolved into edge. And so Internet Explorer can't be that bad. So I like when Microsoft went over because it was just proof that their product was garbage. Uh, SP, what do you think of this? It was interesting that Chris was regaling his work experience. My work, um, my work computer is not telework because it's my computers. But at work, we have Internet Explorer, we have Edge, we have Chrome, and we have Firefox. And you can use any one of them. Funny enough, there isn't one that works for everything going on. It has to do with the firewall that we have to go in and out of. So... Lots of people have three or four browsers that are installed on their computers that they use. Internet Explorer is usually one of those three, if it's just three. And that's the problem right there, because that's you need to because of the system you go through. Like, that's the problem with the mindset of these corporate environments that are like, well, we could fix it right, or we could just install another browser. <laughs> it seems to be what's going on now. Edge Edge doesn't even work for everything, but Edge has worked for the more current applications, Teams being one of them. You can get through Teams on Edge at work, but you can't get to it on Internet Explorer. I'm fine with that, whatever. I can't get to it on Chrome, so I have to use it on Edge. And there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't work on Edge that works on Chrome, but there's internal websites that won't work on either and will only work on uh, Internet Explorer. So it's it's just a mess. Maybe, maybe we should all do a Safari port. Does Safari work on Windows machines? No. I yeah, think there's a I Windows version. I thought, thought there was. I think there used to be a Windows version. Or they version. discontinue it. Yeah, I, think, I don't think it exists anymore. Hmm. I don't think it's available at my work anyway. I think those are the only four browsers that are available. I know I've looked, by the way. So we have a software package place that we can go to and download any software that's on this internal downloadable site or whatever and i don't think i'll look the next time in the office which i don't know when that's going to be actually but next time in the office i'll look for browsers but i'm pretty sure only those four and netscape no and netscape was mosaic and netscape like back in the day but you know that's you, been gone for a long you time need netscape navigator i missed that one i had the sweet icon that that had like the thing on it like glowing, glowing bottom, I think. All right, well, let's go on to the next news point here, which I heard that Chris has a list, a new thing on his list of places he can't go right now. Well, none of us can go to these places right now, but I don't know if you guys had heard, Universal Studios Japan had been building a Super Mario World, uh, a world, for lack of a better term, similar to how we have like the Marvel World here in Orlando, stuff like that. And they have just announced an opening date for what is called the Super Nintendo Land Zone in their Osaka theme park. This will open February 4th, 
2021. Universal Studios Japan and Nintendo also gave some pretty neat details on what is sure to be the park's flagship attraction. This is a Mario Kart-themed roller coaster. This will be housed inside a reconstructed Bowser's Castle and will make use of augmented reality and projection mapping technology with riders donning AR headsets that are shaped like Mario's hat with the glasses built into the top that go down over your eyes. Now, when you're in your Mario Kart, it will have steering wheels on it and multiple vehicles will race alongside each other while you're there, but it seems as though the ride itself is on rails, so it's not guaranteed that you're going to win the Mario Kart roller coaster race. But there will be elements of throwing power-ups from item boxes, and the experience will be different each time you ride it, according to Universal Studios Japan, meaning you'll be able to throw red shells, uh, banana peels, all of the typical things you've seen in a Mario Kart game presumably will be available on this coaster. Uh, Bloomberg also got an early look at Super Nintendo World, introducing the Mario Kart ride, including the Mario Kart ride, and noted the park is also going to be further expanded with a Donkey Kong-themed area. This is going to be really cool. And they're building this in Japan, and part of me goes, man, I wonder if they're going to build that in one of the Universal Studios here in the States at some point in time. And since we are talking about a theme park opening in February in the middle of the pandemic, we should point out that they are going to be limiting capacity when this opens to, I think they said somewhere between 40 to 50% capacity. And the numbers in Japan have been far lower than what have been seen in places like the United States and the United Kingdom. They have been following their mask mandates and been using contact tracing protocols to iron things out. So while their numbers may be up a little bit, they're not on the same scale that we've been seeing here. So it's an interesting thing we're going to see started up here, which is Japan's going to reopen a theme park when Disney's not reopened. Universal Studios has opened, or excuse me, Disney's reopened a little bit of stuff. Same with Universal Studios here. But uh, Japan, Universal Studios Japan, going to be opening a huge attraction that a lot of people are going to want to see. So it'll be interesting to see how their COVID protections work as all this rolls out. Regardless, it looks really cool. And I can't wait to go and see some of the inevitable YouTube videos that get posted by people who ride the roller coaster and explore Super Nintendo land mm -hmm. so that we can all get an idea of what it looks like. Because I don't know about you guys, I don't think I'm going to Japan anytime soon. And I don't think the building of this world is going to happen here in the United States or Canada or, or North America anytime soon. So the best way for us to experience it will be through other travelers posting vlogs or photos and things like that. And I'm super intrigued. Yeah, this is cool. This is really neat. And um, in, in hindsight, surprising it hasn't happened sooner. Because, because like when you think about it, it's all licensing, I imagine. Yes, but when you think about it, like the Nintendo ha had a huge run and then went down and then we came and they had a huge run again. And it's, it's surprising. I don't know. I, I think this is cool, but it is too bad that I will never be. I will likely never be going to this. I know SP is going to, though. I know he's got his tickets booked. Yeah, well, as far as you know, I'm already there right now and I'm just having fun about uh, ready to go test ride some of these. No. So Japan has a very interesting uh, mythos when it comes to theme parks, whatever. I actually found a story of the six top anime and manga parks, theme parks in Japan, which is pretty cool. Universal Studios is one of them. Theme parks over there are a little bit different over here. Of course, they have different culture because of what has happened in their history. Uh, all the way back to the samurai, but you move forward with the nuclear bombs that were dropped on them and stuff. So it's really shaped the culture in Japan and what they do for entertainment and what they're fascinated with. 
and what they will pay for entertainment for. And uh, this, I think, kind of normalizes it because some of those theme parks are, it's kind of weird to me, but uh, over there, it's just part of life. I mean, they had the whole nuclear reactor tsunami thing just a few years ago, right? And they're still recovering from that. So they have an interesting culture, which translates into their entertainment. And if you are uh, in the chat room right now, as we record this live, I tossed a link in there to an article over on Ars Technica that has a lot of photos that were taken in Universal Studios Japan of the Mario Kart track and like the trophies and stuff, but also includes what I hadn't seen before. It looks to be a promotional video made by Universal Studios Japan all about Super Nintendo Land, which could show off what all can be done there. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you very much for enlightening us on this and, you know, reminding us that we can't go places. Yeah, but we can watch people who have been there <laughs> because I don't know if you guys have gone down that YouTube rabbit hole before. It's pretty fun to go down and watch some of those uh, theme park vloggers and see them tell their tales about how they get tickets at what time and the best ways to plan your trip and do mm -hmm. reviews and pro tips. It helped me a lot when I went to Universal Studios a little over a year ago as I had consumed six to nine months worth of various or uh, Universal Studios vloggers content to be like, okay, here's the quick tricks I need <laughs> to do this. Here's why I need to go do this ride first. And it, it was fun to experience and then fun to go do myself. Now, you were concentrating on Harry Potter world, right? That is, we, we, we concentrated predominantly on Universal Studios. We didn't do Disney or anything like that. But the primary goal was to do the Harry Potter parts. And we've knocked pretty much all of that out, except the Hagrid ride opened like two weeks after we were there. You know, one of the fun things about uh, rewatching movies with family members. So my youngest daughter had never watched any Harry Potter, which I scratched my head over that because it was big with everybody else in the house as kids were growing up. So she came home and she wanted to watch all the Harry Potter movies. So when she's home, we've been watching Harry Potter. And I forgot, shame on me, that Batman himself, Robert Pattinson, was in Harry Potter. Cedric Diggory. Yep. I did not realize that. So there's a lot of people that were in Harry Potter that show up later in, in other things. It's not just the big three. There's a lot of other actors in there. So, but that, that was one that stuck out though. Cedric Diggory as Batman. I've watched like half a Harry Potter movie a long time ago. Your kids might get into it. I don't know. What, what would be the new franchise that has come up? You know, it's not Star Wars. It's not Harry Potter that kids your age would be into right now. Uh, all things good and nerdy. I thought it was all things good in Google. <laughs> that too. All right, well, let's move into our extra extra here. First off, looks like Apple has been fined. Italian regulators fined Apple approximately $12 million for making what they claim to be misleading and unfair claims about iPhone water resistance. The, the Italian antitrust authority has said that Apple was guilty of not one, but two things in regards to their water resistance. The first was the Italian authorities have said that Apple made water resistance claims without making it clear to consumers that these were only ideal laboratory test conditions. And the second thing was that Apple uh, made the, war the iPhone water resistant claims in its marketing, a certain direction that if users did end up doing that same thing and actually got water damage, they would then have their warranty denied. 
because again, it was marketing <laughs> material. So I found this really interesting because this is something that I think we are seeing happen more outside of North America, where big companies are being fined for questionable ratings and things like that when it comes to the rating system, because ultimately the rating system is in certain conditions, you know, ideal laboratory conditions, that sort of thing. So I think it's really interesting to see some other areas start to crack down on these companies. And I'm not putting this in here just because it's Apple. Uh, Obviously, that's part of the reason. However, I I think that it's important Mm -hmm. because I do think that there is, I think the water resistance thing is something especially that needs to be very clear. And if it's, if there's any gray in there at all, I think it's a disservice to consumers. So I wanted to bring that up right now and say, looks like they've been fined approximately $12 million. I'm sure Apple will be broke. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned this. I talking about YouTube rabbit holes. I have gone down the YouTube rabbit holes looking at videos of people finding iPhones or Samsung galaxies or any sort of smartphone really as they're diving in lakes or rivers. Usually it's like a rafting river and people drop their stuff and uh, divers go in on uh, days that uh, the river isn't busy or whatever. And they go down and they find some of this stuff. Now, some of this stuff admittedly has been uh, placed there by the the YouTubers. And they're like, oh, excited about doing that. There's several YouTube channels out there that will find this stuff and then they will attempt to get it back to the owner. So those YouTubes, I don't think, have been staged at all. But who knows? They might. Anyway, some of the phones are down there for years. And it's obvious that the water resistance stops working after some time. But some of the phones are down there for a few weeks and they still work. It depends sort of thing on whether the water resistance is supposed to work or not. Now, in the uh, uh, specifications, it's only for a matter of minutes and it's only to so far deep. So you can't use it as I'm, I'm going to drop this in 100 feet of water and I expect it to work six months later. That's not going to work for most devices. But if you get lucky, you get lucky. And the fact that they work now versus 10 years, if you dropped your phone in the toilet <laughs> 10 years ago, you'd be out hundreds of dollars. And now you can recover from it. Yeah. Um, in all fairness, I do know people who were able to recover their phones dropped in that, but they looked pretty funky afterwards. Okay. <laughs> I mean, before before the IP 67 and 68. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on to the last extra extra, which is a piece of sad news. And this is that uh, David Prowse, the actor under the costume of Darth Vader, did pass away this past weekend. This is big news everywhere. And a lot of people are like, what? David Prowse? What? Because, you know, to the non-huge fan, you might not have known that, but you knew the voice of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, but he was voice alone. David Prowse was the one who was under the costume. And this is something that, you know, over the years, he's done the convention circuit and things like that. And there's been some interesting stories. And, uh, you know, I, I actually have a couple of people on my Facebook who wrote about firsthand uh, experiences with him. One of them, and I'm sorry if you're listening, I, I don't remember who it was that said this, said that they actually ended up 
um, in a restaurant or a bar kind of shooting the ass with him and was apparently a really nice guy. So, you know, it's sad we've had several of the original Star Wars actors and actresses pass away. And, you know, it's, I guess, just the age, the time, right? As many Star Wars actors were, he was British, so he's cast because he was on location uh, when the, 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 where the film was being made. He was also cast because he was six foot six inches, which was really tall back then. It still is tall, a lot taller than me. But back then, it was like the epitome of height that you could get. He was a bodybuilder, and he had a particular way that he walked, which is the iconic Darth Vader mm. walk. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to mention that. But even though, you know, he was somebody under there, there was a unique walk to it. And if you go way back to when Rogue One came out, I remember very clearly one of the critiques that I had about Rogue One was that I felt that Darth Vader didn't look very good as Darth Vader in there. Like, I, I remember commenting on like hip action or something like that because it was not the Darth Vader that we knew from the movies, because there was a very unique style to the Darth Vader that we knew. So, um, you know, you're somebody who's essentially faceless under a costume and you still are able to command a certain personality. That's pretty cool. Well, and don't forget, he did all of Vader's lines on set also, because then they ADR'd in James Earl Jones after that. So on set, it was David Prowse doing the voice of Darth Vader. And if you ever get a chance to see any of that raw footage with Darth Vader acting as David Prowse, acting as Darth Vader and saying his lines, you will see that or you will hear the very, very British accent. And of course, it's not as deep as James Earl Jones. So you hear it and you're like, that is not Darth Vader. But all the lines were said by David Prowse. And he didn't know after Star Wars, the episode four that was filmed, he didn't know that he was going to be ADR'd over so, you know, as an actor, you have to deal with that. A lot of the actors in like Wedge, he didn't know he was going to be ADR, that sort of thing. Uh, also, in Return of the Jedi, he wasn't him when the mask came off. That was Sebastian Shaw. So for those out there that really are David Prowse fans and thinks he didn't get a fair shake, he was never actually shown on screen at all. I was always surprised on that. Like that. I was There's surprised. a documentary about it. And it was a bone of contention between him and Lucasfilm. And at one point in time, he was no longer invited to Lucasfilm cons oh. and things like that because of later fallings out that were had. There's a really cool documentary, and I cannot remember the title of it, but I'm sure if you Googled David Prowse Star Wars documentary, you could find it. That was all about the man under the suit and how he got the job and how he kind of felt he got a bit of a raw deal when it was all said and done. But how he loved the fans and interacting with folks. And it was a fascinating watch. And I'm sure it's popped up near the top of things now with him having passed away. One interesting fact I will say about his casting, that if you don't know the story, he was offered either the part of Chewbacca or Darth Vader. And he chose Darth Vader because he said, villains are always remembered more. Yeah. Or longer, I think was his direct words. Villains are already... Are, are remembered longer than heroes. And with Star Wars, it's like everybody is remembered, right? So Chewbacca is <laughs> remembered, Darth Vader is remembered. So he would have been fine either way. But in this case, at least he didn't have to go around going, 
or whatever on set. You just had to say his lines, which I think as an actor probably appealed to him more than having to howl like a dog. But yes. Anyway, yes, I would go out and I'm actually interested to see that documentary. Chris, if you could find the link to that. I think and... it's I Am Your Father was the name of it. If okay. I'm remembering correctly, it's a Spanish documentary. Huh. Well, anyways, uh, rest in peace, David Prowse. And yes, you did have a very iconic uh, character of Darth Vader. We are recording this today on Monday, November 30th, 2020, and that means today was this year's Cyber Monday, and that means, of course, that this past Friday was Black Friday. If you didn't know this, this is a thing that happens every year. Okay, you know what it is. I'm not going to explain it, but we thought we would do a little bit of a segment where we would talk about some of the things we might have bought, some of the things that we thought were interesting and maybe some things that we almost bought and, and didn't buy. And so we'll just go through a little bit of our list and talk about some of the things that we we did. And SP, why don't I turn it over to you first? Oh, well, for those that don't know, uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday, they're, they're not the biggest shopping days in the world. Oh, no, that goes to a, another day that happens a couple months earlier and is... is Canadian Thanksgiving. No, not not at all. Uh, whatever. Well, we'll We'll just move on here. So some gifts that I bought for others on Black Friday, and I know that my daughter doesn't listen to the show. You so. can go ahead and omit it if you want. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. She doesn't. She, she um, wanted some nursing clothes because she's actually working as a nurse in a hospital now. Uh, she wanted some new glasses because hers were getting kind of old. And then she found some stylish glasses that she wanted frames that were uh, heavily discounted on Black Friday. So we got that. And then I didn't realize how expensive this stuff was, but she's studying to be a nurse and she's got to take the the nursing exam for her pr- professional certification. It's called the NCLEX, N-L-E-X. So the particular exam is NCLEX RN and there's test materials out there that are hundreds of dollars. So she wanted that. So I got her that. And then uh, my older daughter is boyfriend who's a mechanic wanted some uh, mechanical tool trays that were pretty new to me and and me being a hobby mechanic i was actually pretty intrigued by these i kind of want one myself but they're a little expensive and they're they were made for the professional but you can use them in, in your garage too it's called grip mat g-r-y-p-m-a-t and they were 15 percent off usually they're not any percent off i checked them on Amazon on Camel Camel Camel, but I ended up buying them directly from their uh, their website instead, just because it was a little cheaper with shipping and everything. And I would make sure that I would get them by the holiday. So there was that. And then I bought some for other people. I bought some hand power tool batteries, which I don't know about you guys. If you have any like handheld cordless drills or whatever, those battery packs are expensive. Yes. Just the, like the 18 or 20 volt versions are like 75 bucks or, or uh, for a five amp hour or a hundred dollars somewhere in there. It depends on what brand you get or whatever, just for that. And then you go up to like a 40 volt or 60 volt system. You're talking hundreds of dollars. So I was able to get some of that on a pretty good 
discount on Black Friday. And then I mentioned this the last couple of times. There was like an Amazon Prime Day or whatever. And I was like, oh, I should have grabbed one. Well, guess what? I grabbed one this time. And it's for me. I did the thing where you go out on Black Friday and you buy stuff for yourself. And I know Chris does this all the time because he has nobody else to buy for. But for me, this was That's an anomaly. Inaccurate. Yeah. Okay. So you buy for me and Chris, but or for me and Steven, but uh, so <laughs> so I got myself. By the way, I think that I'll look fantastic in that lingerie, Chris. Thank you. <laughs> Can't wait to see those pictures. Yeah. Uh, not enough brain bleach. So I got myself a ring indoor camera, not an exterior camera, but an indoor camera. I'm going to put it in my garage and I'm just going to check it out and see. Okay, that's really interesting. You're going to put it in your garage because you like your garage, right? Yeah. So you liked it, so you put a ring on it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> did it, did it. Uh, no, this is, this is actually interesting that you bought this. And I want to take a moment to dance on this because you did kind of want to expand some of your video stuff in the past and you've been happy with your ring doorbell and whatnot. And, and I'm... I was waiting to see, would he get, would he do something one of one of these deals? I knew there would be deals. And I know you were a little bit uh, him and hawing about some of the deals on Prime Day and whatnot. So, hey, congratulations on that. And I look forward to you putting on a show for all of those Amazon employees. That's right. I'll go out there. You know, I go out to my garage in my underwear all the time in, at, in the middle of the night as I'm, you know, throwing stuff in the recycling bin or whatever. Uh, it was on sale. It was 40 four dollars and 99 cents which is 15 dollars off the the price of it uh of course it, you have to do a, a monthly subscription and it's only 1080 it's not 4k so i thought i'd get it and just check it out and see if i liked it or not because if it works i might use it up at the lake but if not uh I, i've just used it once and then it's fine but in your in my home surveillance system it's like one thing that's kind of bugged me because if somebody if the garage door is open and somebody gets into the cameras, then I can't see them anymore. So, well, now I'll be able to see them. So we'll see. All right, Chris, why don't you go on and talk a little bit about the things that you bought? And if you'd like, SP and I will unplug ourselves so you can talk about all the nice oh, yeah. things you bought Please. us. So go ahead. I didn't get you guys anything. <laughs> <sighs> Darn it. I was banking foul, on that. Chris, foul. <laughs> I know, but some of the stuff that I did, in, in, excuse me, did end up picking up picked up Star Wars Squadrons for Xbox because it was down to $16.99. So I That's figured worth that was, it right there. Yeah, yeah, that price point was worth it. I've only played a little bit of it, but I've enjoyed it. And they did put an update out for the Xbox Series X. So it'll run 4K, 120 hertz. Looks pretty awesome. Other stuff I got. Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie in 4K, I got for 10 bucks because it's a movie I've been wanting to see. So I got the 4K Blu-ray of it. I'll watch that at some point in time. Got some new USB-C cables just because I needed some spares for chargers around the house. That was kind of inconsequential. And now we'll get into some of the bigger ticket items. I paid out some money for some Christmas gifts for my wife because there was a variety of different Pokemon cards and Pokemon collectibles that were on sale. And those are instantly things that she loves. Then for myself, what I did, I spent some money on a bunch of redeemable codes for Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. For those that aren't aware, this is the service that combines uh, Xbox Live Gold, Game Pass, and Game Pass for PC all into one bundled service and allows the game streaming that we talked about before. Normally, it's 45 bucks per three-month card. Over Black Friday, Cyber Monday, 
depending on where you looked, you could find those cards for anywhere between 20 to $22 per three-month increment. So I think now I'm good until July 2023 on Game Pass Ultimate. So I don't really need to worry about that until a couple Black Fridays from now to re-up and make sure I've got enough to carry me through. So that was not an inconsequential expense, but it was of decent value in savings, basically, because it was half or more off because 45 down to 20 or 22 bucks, that was well worthwhile. And I've been getting my, I've been having a lot of fun with Game Pass because there's 150-ish games in that library that you can just download and play whenever. And that's like uh, a forever stamp in America, right? So it, it works years in in the future at the same price, basically, because you just get in the card or, or the, um, the code. Correct. And it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of people were theorizing that Microsoft's going to be raising the price sometime soon. Phil Spencer made a point of saying they have no plans at this time to raise the price of Game Pass. So you don't necessarily need to stock up as much as I did. I just went a little crazy because like, oh, this is on sale. Bye. And I was like, do I really need this? I mean, I was like, well, I'm going to play. So it doesn't really matter. I might as well just buy it out now so I don't have to worry about it later. But it seems like every year around this time frame for Black Friday, you can find these Game Pass three-month cards for about $20 to $25 per three-month increment. So if you buy up a year in advance, you can just worry about it next year and buy them on sale again then. Now, my big purchase, though, which I was sort of, I think I talked about in this show, I was going to be watching the Black Friday sales to see if there was any good deals on the Pixel 5 or anything in the Google Store. And the Google Store was knocking 50 bucks off a of Pixel 5. And I went, no, that's not enough. So I was going to hold on to my Pixel 2 XL. But what they did do, however, and I noticed this when I saw a post on it on Slick Deals, is instead of offering you a huge sale price on the Pixel 5 or the Pixel 4a 5G, which were the two phones I was looking at, they started offering ridiculous trade-in prices on phones if you were trading in to get a Pixel 4a 5G. And by ridiculous, I mean uh, my Pixel 2 XL 64 gig I think they offered me 26 bucks last time I tried to look at a trade in. I laughed and said, no, it's not worth it. So when I purchased my Pixel 4a 5G on sale on Friday last week, I think it was, they gave me $230 trade in credit on my three year old Pixel 2 XL. And if your phone was broken and didn't work, they're giving like $220 worth of trade in credit. So it seemed, but it was only towards the Pixel 4a 5G. Didn't work towards the Pixel 5 or anything like that. But it seems like the 4A 5G is the phone that Google was trying to push people towards. So I effectively got it for less than half price. And since I had Google financing provided through them before, it just got put on that account. They'll, when they my trading gets received, they'll knock the 240 bucks off what I owe on there. And I'll have 18 months to pay off 250 bucks. So it'll be paid off in like two months because I hate letting that stuff sit out there. But how I look at it long-term is, now this puts me in a better position when Pixel 6 comes out. The When you are trading in a phone that is still the most recent generation, even Pixels, you tend to get a decent deal. I will probably be able to ba- break about even on trading costs what I paid versus what they'll offer if I decide to get a Pixel 6 next year when those drop. So the phone just came in the mail yesterday. I was a little under the weather, so I didn't have a bunch of time to play with it. And I still don't have my case. That's back ordered, not coming in until Thursday. So I was running it naked. Luckily, it was just in the house, so I wasn't as worried. And I put a tempered glass screen protector on there today. But it's been pretty nice so far. It's the 
uh, Snapdragon 765G processor, just like in the Pixel 5. So it is not the uh, top of the line 865 that everyone has, but seems like it's working out all right for me. And when I did that, I got a notification from AT&T that was, hey, uh, we see that you've got a 5G phone. Why don't you look at some of our 5G data plans? I went, okay, this is probably gonna cost me more. They actually gave me 5G data for $5 less per month and still getting HBO Max bundled with it when I upgraded. So I flipped the switch on that. I'm getting 5G data on it. And just for S and Gs, I turned off my Wi-Fi and did a speed test. And I think I was pulling 185 megabit per second down on 5G and about 35 megabit per second up. So I now have a viable backup. <laughs> if for some reason the uh, the Wi-Fi in the house is down, I can hotspot my cell phone and still be able to podcast off of that. <laughs> That's awesome. And plus, that means we're still... I have a phone and so do you. Look at that, it's a Pixel 2. That makes us Pixel Buddies for life. Well, I mean, we still were Pixel That's Buddies. True. You just had a newer Pixel than me. Because you have, you have the 4A. I do. You know, I'm I'm really glad you got this and jealous actually as well that it, you had this trade in deal because when that came up, I thought I'll have a look and see what they're offering on the Pixel Two trade in because like I don't know, I like my Pixel Four, but if it was the right deal, I I could have sold it and uh, they didn't do it in Canada that I could see. Yeah, and for the most part, the Google Store Black Friday deals weren't that good anyways. So that's why I was really surprised to see this pop up, and I just kind of jumped on it as soon as I could. Now, that being said, I haven't mailed the phone back in yet because I haven't gotten the trade-in kit for it. Right. Now, I had good experiences in the past with trading in phones at Google. Other people have not. So pro tip, what I did and what others suggest is when you go and do your delete of your accounts and format and reset everything on it, go and sit in front of one of your other computers fire up a webcam that shows you doing it, record it, then while it's doing all its formatting, start showing off the phone itself to be like, okay, there's no damage on the screen, the buttons still work, plugs in just fine. And then if Google tries to screw you on your trading credit, you can be like, hey, here's a YouTube video that's marked private that uh, shows just that my phone was in good shape, so you really can't screw me. I've done that with warranty claims. Um, mm -hmm. I've, I've had a couple that I've had to submit over the years, and I've done that. All right, so what did I buy? Uh, bought some Christmas gifts for some people, and unfortunately, I'll leave it at that point. Uh, was for a variety of people, including the kids, and I've mentioned a little bit some of the things the kids are into right now, so I think you can read between the lines on that one. Um, I can't I'm wait to get my present from you, Stephen. <laughs> oh, I got a special present for you, but you'll have to wait until we can see each other in person again. Oh, I was hoping it would be the picture of you in the lingerie that Chris got you. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. That's coming too. Okay. Um, I also bought Squadrons because I was thinking about it before anyways. And then like I actually, I had the physical game because I'm like, yeah, I might do it. And then I I saw the price and I'm like, okay, I hadn't opened that. Let's take that back to Walmart. And I bought it. And I actually, I could have bought it at the sale price at Walmart. Uh, then after your segment a while ago about virtual play, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do digital. So I actually paid a dollar more to get it on digital than the hmm. install price, store price was. There's something to be said for that convenience, though, which is you don't have to find a disc yeah. to put it in. You just hit the button and boop, yeah. your game starts. So I did that. I've also played it a couple of times. It's, it's fun. I uh, bought myself. I, I was going to because I wanted I thought it was going to actually be for the Christmas display in my windows and then not in the Christmas season. I was going to look at backdrop. Uh, I bought myself some LifeX LIFX LED strips. I, I bought these because they were super sale 
And apparently their brightness is through the roof. And it is. I I un I hook unplugged unplugged them, opened them up, hooked them up. Fantastic. And one of the other things that I really liked about it was the fact that it actually is Wi-Fi, but it is controllable without the internet. And I did a test. I threw it on my VLAN that I've got that has no access to the internet and successfully controlled it. No problem at all. And there is a Hubitat plugin someone made. Now, nice. I didn't keep them because the app, you need you need the internet service to do most of the little like um, animations on them and stuff. And the app doesn't worth work worth crap. Half the time it didn't detect <laughs> them. Half the time it didn't activate it when I went. And I'm like, this has got to just be me. Googled. Nope. Everybody hates the app. And apparently the app is super glitchy, super buggy. So it's like, <laughs> screw that. I got other things in my mind, other things to put that money towards. And so back to the store they went. So that was going to be mine. Uh, I bought myself a Shark IQ RoboVac, to which you're saying, Stephen, I thought you already bought yourself a Shark IQ RoboVac. And that's my point is that it went on sale. So I saved myself 150 bucks on 130 bucks on it. So nice. In the United States, that same model usually goes for, uh, I want to say $599. And it was on sale for $319. I did not pick it up because I had to buy other things instead. But Man, Steven, I wish I would have been able to pick that up because like the next day I'm looking around going, dang, I have to do it was, you know, Black Friday and then the Christmas decorations come out and that sort of thing. I'm like, we really need to vacuum this place. I really don't want to vacuum this place. So, yeah, I hate vacuuming. (laughs) I will do a full review about it at some point for me, especially at the sale price. It's worth the money. Like for, for me, there are flaws with it compared to some of the higher higher vacuums that are out there. But we have two cats and a dog. And the two cats have lived the more all of their lives until the last two years with not having a dog. So they do the dog chasing cat thing. So there's fur everywhere. It has been amazing for that. But like where I got it from, okay, I don't usually say retailer's name. I ended up actually getting it from Costco on sale. They had it there for $3.99. I had to, when I went to do these Best Buy or uh, these LifeX strips, I went to Best Buy. They had the same thing for $6.99. So it was like, wow, that, you know, I didn't pay $6.99 when I first got it, but it was like, it was a nice to see that it was a deal. So I was happy that I had bought it previous, happy that I managed to get the deal on, on Black Friday. But really, the biggest thing that I got with Black Friday, which was, was I was pretty sure this was going to happen, was bought some, some appliances. Uh, we have, our fridge, we've hated it from the day that we owned it. I'm surprised it's lasted this long. It sounds terrible. Uh, we've been really needing to replace it for a little while. Our microwave hood fan. Last I checked, you're not supposed to close the microwave with nothing in it, and it turns on by itself occasionally. No, that's a bad thing. Yeah, thing. yeah. So yeah. I thought it was just trying to warm up your house. I mean, you do live in an igloo. Right. So that started. And so anyways, we got a good deal on an appliance package because there was. And then also, you know, they always everybody offers the crazy financing on these day, these deal days. So wait, wait. So you went ahead on a new appliance suite and you're not getting new cabinets or countertops? No. No. Ooh, I wonder how you slipped that past the spouse. <laughs> uh, I almost I almost ended up having to get new toilets too out of the, the I, you know, and okay, here's I the thing. I don't want to hear about how you break your toilets. No, no. I w- walked in to get a fridge and went with my spouse, walked, well, fridge and a microwave, walked out, 
with, with the oven too. So, you know, that was where the negotiation happened. Who was carrying the fridge and who was carrying the oven? Well, exactly. It's not delivered yet. You know that. But those, that was really, that was on Friday, like right in the morning. So like that was my, my Black Friday purchase right there. It's like, I don't need to spend it really anything else. Oh, so you went, <laughs> you actually went to a physical store on Black Friday. I did not. Chris, did you? No. Okay. So how was the Black Friday crowds in your area? Well, I went to a store that sells home things. You might call it a depot of home emporium. Yeah, and- it doesn't matter. They're usually packed if they have good deals. Great. It was great. We we showed up about 8.30 and got one and one help. There's no problems. There was no crowds. It was okay. fine. I, and you know what I, what I think that is, though? Because I noticed that there weren't, fri- like at least here at several places, there weren't Friday exclusives. I, okay. I I don't know if that was like that down there, but like here, I saw a lot of these deals started earlier on in the week, and it, it what they didn't have a lot of like door crasher type things. So I think that might be why they probably designed that way from a COVID re- perspective, is my guess. Didn't want to face the wrath of the Canadian Health Authority. Now I know that we all saw some things that we were interested in, but didn't end up buying. So let's take a few minutes to go ahead and run down some of the things that caught our eyes, because contrary to what you might think, us podcasters aren't swimming in the cash, especially us hobby podcasters. Um, I found it really interesting that at least up here, there were several services that were doing big Black Friday sales. This wasn't something that I'd seen a lot with streaming services in the past. And what I mean by that is that Crave TV I've mentioned before, they're not one to do a lot of deals. And they did offer a significant deal on a one-year pass. But Amazon, they were offering huge deals on getting those prime channels, those extra channels. Um, They have a package called Stack TV, which is basically certain cable and network channels that you get. And they were offering a huge deal on the three-month and then, of course, the Game Pass thing that that was uh, you mentioned as well. I thought that was pretty interesting. And the other thing that I, I really wanted to note right now is Nintendo Switch bundles. I noticed them everywhere, which is quite the contrast to where they were six months ago. Yeah, yeah. my sister bought one for my nephew and it was an eBay purchase in the middle of the pandemic. And it was close to $600, I think. For the the bundle, and I think those same bundles were going for like two ninety nine. Yeah, so I'm glad to see it's replenished uh, the the stock there because it re- really is a great device for a variety of ages and a good way to keep people entertained. And the other thing that I was looking at and was thought about buying was the Blink camera. I don't know if you've looked into those. Amazon owns them as well. I bought one and returned one a couple Did years you? ago. Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking, I was unimpressed. I heard better things about their newer models, but I was kind of curious and they were they had sales everywhere, but I just I was only gonna buy it for curiosity. I don't think I would have a long term use for it. So I decided to be smart. Be smart. That's no fun. I know. Chris, what did you find interesting? So there's a couple things. There were a bunch of other video games and stuff that were on sale. And a game I'd sort of been looking at was Marvel's Avengers. I said, when it, hurt, when it hit a certain price point, I would consider it. And remember, I complained about this game for making certain characters specific to certain consoles. And it said it would have to get to be 25 or less before I would consider it. 
Well, it hit as low as 20 bucks for copies of Marvel's Avengers, excuse me, a copy of Marvel's Avengers. I almost pulled the trigger on it, but I went, wait, I, I have way, way too much other stuff I need to play. This game has shed like 96% of its player base since launch. I don't care enough. I'm going to wait and get a deal like I saw when I got Anthem for like five bucks. So I'll play Avengers one day just for the single player game. But I did not pull the trigger on getting it. One of the other things I was looking at, though, just idle curiosity, and it kind of surprised me, is uh, you guys, when I missed a show, had talked about the uh, dropping of the M1 chipped Macs and, and MacBook Airs and things like that. And they actually had... The M1 MacBook Airs and MacBook Pros on sale on a B&H Photo and Adorama and a couple other places, only like a hundred bucks off. But for brand new hardware, it was a hundred bucks off. And I was like, hmm, I don't really need a new laptop. I just kind of want one and I wouldn't mind dabbling with this new processor and seeing how it works. But I didn't care nine hundred dollars <laughs> worth to pull the trigger on it. It, it was, but it was really interesting to me though that. This is hardware that had been out for like two weeks at this point in time, basically. And they had already put it on sale for a hundred bucks off on the base entries for the most part. So it means there could be more sales going forward. We know Apple is notoriously not giving sales on their hardware. So that's why I was really surprised by it. Now, caveat being, if you are buying through B&H Photo and Adorama, it was a glorified pre-order. They haven't gotten theirs in yet. So it basically was, you put your money, you put a deposit down effectively and they charge your credit card as soon as they receive the laptop and then mail it to you. So it wasn't like you're going to be receiving it two days later. It's you have to wait for their stock to come in. But that was really intriguing to me. I didn't need it. I just kind of wanted it. So I talked myself out of it because it's a bit more of an expense that I wanted to drop at this time. My older daughter is actually looking at them right now. And so we looked at them on Black Friday. We sat down at this computer and we were looking at all the options and uh, there were no deals on Apple's specific site and all the deals for like the Best Buys, the World B&H, whatever on the M1s, the new ones that were 13 inch pro airs were nominally like $50 off uh, and, and, and not any more than that. And then you couldn't use Apple's financing on that. So if you're like a struggling college student and you need a new laptop and everybody else around you has MacBook and you want one. And the only way you could get it is through financing, then you weren't going to be able to get it sale price through any of these other locations. So that was one of the things we saw there. I, I did do extensive research. Uh, also, the other thing with the the sale models is they were all the lower like eight gigabytes of memory and then lower um, uh, uh, hard disk drive space available. You know, the 256, maybe uh, 512, but they definitely went to like one terabyte or two terabyte versions that uh, you can get. But I did a lot of comparisons and I think she's going to get a MacBook Air 8 gigabytes, 512 a gigabyte hard or um, not hard disk drive, but uh, SSD with it and not a pro. I mean, we're looking between the pro and the air. The difference between the two, the only difference between the two, I guess there's some security stuff between the two, but the big difference in the hardware is the pro has the fan and the air does not. And, and the touch bar. Those yeah, are the two major differences. Right. And I don't think that she was interested in the touch bar or not, but she was really interested in his processing power because she wants to render videos. And you get the same effect out of the air 
until it starts to heat up and then it throttles down. So the chip is the same. All the hardware is the same without the fan. It just adds in throttling when it gets too hot, which without a fan is going to be a lot sooner than with the Pro. And if you take into account the, the I forget what it was, like $200 or $300 difference between the two, uh, because you know she's young and doesn't have a, a heck of a lot of money, it was a trade-off that she was willing to make. So eventually yeah. she'll get the MacBook Air. We did not buy it on Black Friday. The Air is the way to go. I think when I was looking at them, I had made that same decision in part because the price difference between the Pro and the Air wasn't really worth it for that little bit of extra processing power you'd get under thermal load. I didn't care that much. And the touch bar offends my sensibilities because you don't have the actual top row of keys that normally do things like volume and things like that. It's all part of the touch bar and I, I wouldn't want that. It would frustrate me. And a fan, here's another take on it, is uh, your MacBook Air without the fans likely to last longer because there's no moving piece like a fan to burn out hmm. while doing things. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I thought the Pro might last longer because the chip was cooled more. No, it takes care of itself, though, by throttling itself to keep the temperature where it wants to. A fan can wear out. We've seen it on our desktops, on other various gaming platforms and things like that. Or a bearing goes bad and it's then your fan starts making weird little noises. And in Apple world, it's probably, what, 400 bucks to fix that fan or something uh, else like At that. least. Well, yeah. that would be interesting <laughs> to know. Like, it, it, even with the fan, if the Pro has the same sort of temperature throttling, like if it gets to a certain point, does it throttle the same way as it does in so, air? I don't know. So my understanding from when I was, I watched a bunch of different YouTube videos and reviews like Linus Tech Tips and MKBHD, things like that. They all were recommending the Air in part because the price difference really isn't worth it to upgrade. And the statement they made there was, you have to really stress these computers to get them to a point where it's going to thermally limit you on the MacBook Air. And when you hit that point, it's still probably not that much further away on the MacBook Pro, as they put it, before the fan would kick on and buy you a little bit more time before it would eventually go, hey, we're too hot and the fan can't keep up, throttle down the processor. Can I make a suggestion? If you're going to buy an, or an iPhone, a MacBook Air, you should buy it sooner than later because Apple's going to probably have to start charging you more when they get sued and fined for false advertising because the Pro gets more air because of the fan. So how can you call it a MacBook Air if there's no fan? I thought they were going to get sued because of the water resistance ratings on both. <laughs> But in all seriousness, you might want to wait if you're looking for something a bit more powerful because there's already the rumors coming out about a 16-inch MacBook Pro with the M1X chip, as they were calling it. That These have not been confirmed, but I was reading that today. So if you're looking for a more productivity-type machine, you might want to wait. If you're looking for something that is basic internet browsing, some video editing, light video editing and Photoshop and stuff like that, you're probably fine with the current generation of M1 products. I mean, your real gain is going to be efficiency and battery life at this Not point. Not to get too in-depth into it, but she is looking for something uh, that's cheaper. So mm -hmm. I suggested you might want to wait until the, the new chips come out with a 16-inch a MacBook Pro or something like that. She was like, well, how much is that? And I said, honestly, configured out how I would want it at least you're talking probably about 24 2500 and she went yeah. so yeah, yeah. Th that was too much for her and I get that so and also it there's a size thing like I don't know what it is with girls 
and I will say girls in, in the size of the laptops, but most girls I know want their laptops to be as small as possible. And I don't know if they want to like fit them in their purses or something. Maybe they just don't want to carry around something that's heavy, but they really like that small 13 inch size, which like to you and me, we want as much screen size as we can pack in because we're doing editing and stuff like that for podcasting. But for, for most people, they, they I guess as their first machine, they don't really think about that. So, and the resolution is pretty good on it. So it could be close to what was a 15 inch laptop for you or me like five years ago. So I don't know. We'll just go with it anyway. There's different priorities, especially if one is still a student versus one being employed in the job sector. Like if I were a student today, my primary thing I would carry with me, I used to carry my laptop everywhere with me. I would have a Surface Pro or a MacBook Air lightweight machine with a long-lasting battery that is not going to weigh me down a ton as I carry it around from place to place. Did you look at the battery life on these things? That's why I was impressed by the the new M1 chipset has really good battery life because it's the same chip effect of it's roughly the same chip as what you have in the iOS devices because they're kind of moving everything to a similar platform and those things sip power. So it's going to be really interesting. It's a shot across the bow a little bit to Windows on ARM processors to see how well that's going to work going forward. Now, it does exist. We've seen on like the Surface Pro X and there's a few other ARM-based Windows instances out there, but they're behind in comparison to what Apple's doing here, I would say. And last, SP, I don't think you had a chance to talk about what you found interesting other than the pictures of me. <laughs> I have been looking at the uh, Apple Watch 6s for my dad because it has the pul- blood pulse ox or no, blood ox pulse ox blood pulse ox indicator on it which is different than the 5. He has a 4 right now. We talked about what it did for him saved his life before. But I was looking at that and there were some deals like Chris was talking about it's kind of unheard of with something that's brand new to come out with even $50 off but that's basically what it is. I did not go ahead and pull the trigger on it. If I pull the trigger on it it'll probably be in the after Christmas deals cuz I think there's going to be similar deals after Christmas. There were a ton of telescope deals out over the weekend and even today I posted a lot of that information on our Discord server which you can find at goodgeek.com/discord. And there's just a ton of stuff. I almost pulled the trigger on a couple of those, but held off uh, probably for next year or until I select the specific one I wanted. I'm looking forward to the fire sale on the Hubble. That's what I'm waiting for. (laughs) Literal fire sale, because you know that thing's deorbiting, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To hit Steven's house. Yeah, on my house. That's where it'll be a sale. Yeah, the other thing, since we were talking about it after the show last week, I looked into the Paperwhite sales and there was an eight gigabyte Paperwhite. Uh, this is the Kindle Paperwhite, by the way, for $84.99 and a 32 gigabyte for $109.99. And those were deals like 50 or, or more dollars off the, the two of them. So if you were looking for a Kindle reader, which there's a lot of benefits to them, they were pretty good deals. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. I was going to mention that too. It was quite impressive. The the sale, even in Canada, they had good deals. So, uh, also, you, I know you quickly mentioned. Let, let's just quickly talk about the lack of availability on Xbox Series X and PS5. Unsurprising. Uh, however, yeah, it that was, should surprise no one. It was uh, interesting because you know last year and the year before that, there was always so many sales on the consoles, but not right now. No availability. 
Yeah, I think that's going to drive their bottom line down for the year because they just don't have the hardware to sell. Of course, they're going to be trying to sell other things to compensate for them, but it was impossible to find them just because they don't have them. And of course, there's no no deals. I would have been paid full price for one if I could easily find one, but this is just not going to happen. Also, another thing that I didn't find too much of were drone deals. I also didn't find a lot of iPad deals in the version that I wanted. There was a lot mm. of iPad deals for like the cheaper mm-hmm. iPads ones, but they're they, I want to, you know, and I, I talked about it on the show before, an iPad Pro, and there just wasn't a deals for that. So I held off on that sort of stuff. Well, we'd love to know what did you see on Black Friday? What do you think we screwed up by buying? Uh, what sort of things were you hoping to find? Come to our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. We would love to have you over there and chat with us. Um, and if you have a suggestion for something you would like us to talk about in the future, you can also drop that over there because I don't know. We like to appease people. Oh, I also, by the way, forgot to mention, and this, this is not surprising that I bought this. I actually got a really good deal on a six foot ladder as well, because the ladder that I had before that was in that height, I'm surprised I didn't kill myself when I built that shed. So (laughs) that was a long time coming. That was on my when I see a deal, I'll buy it list. So it was technically a Black Friday deal, but it was always on my radar. Every every single home sale that was ever out. Wood, fiberglass or metal? Fiberglass. All right. Yeah. So that's going to go ahead and wrap us up. For episode number 356 of the officialgunnageek.com show, I'm Stephen John Drew saying I'm appliance poor. MSP saying I hope you had a safe holiday and looking forward to another one coming up. I'm Chris, and I wonder when Stephen's getting new countertops. Bye. checking out another episode of the official gunnageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions which stream mondays at 8 45 p.m eastern at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunnageek.com forward slash show If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunnageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week. Some of the music heard was by Kevin McLeod of incompetech.com. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP.